your word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. It is alive, an anchor in the storm, a compass in the wild. Your word is a foundation built with truth, unmoving and undiminished. By its light, all is seen and known. On your word, we stand. Uh, well, good morning, church. Good morning, and welcome back to our series. We're in this great series as we start this new year, the series called Set in Stone. And I love, I love, I love this series. And T did a great job last week kind of kicking off our series. And, and so we're talking about, you know, how do we know the Bible is true? And today we're talking about how relevant is the Bible for our lives? What does God do through His Word as He speaks to us? And, you know, as January is here and we're all setting kind of New Year's resolutions and kind of thinking about the things that we want in our lives. And what's amazing is oftentimes our resolutions kind of center around, you know, how much weight I want to lose or how much money I want to save. And we kind of deal in those factors. But I would just encourage us, start here, right? This relationship with God, because this impacts everything else, right? And when we get this right and we get in His Word and we set our feet on a solid ground, then it impacts all of our other relationships and it impacts everything in our life today. And so the question is this, who are you listening to? In your life, there's a lot of people speaking into your life. So so who are you listening to? Uh, when I graduated college, I uh, took a job as a student pastor in San Antonio, Texas. So I'm working with middle school, high school, and college students. It was a great church and big church there. And so we, it was a lot of fun. But if you live in San Antonio, Texas, then you must be a San Antonio Spurs fan, okay? It just kind of comes with it. So you get the Spurs with San Antonio, it's the only major, you know, sports there in the town. And the Spurs play in the NBA, and they're a professional basketball team. And so one day, kind of like with all guys, kind of what guys do, all these interns were in my office, and we're all talking about the San Antonio Spurs. And the Spurs had a new coach that year, a guy named Greg Popovich. And Popovich is the coach of the Spurs, and they were having a tough time in that first year, and, and so we were all figuring out what they needed to do, and everybody had an opinion, and we decided that the Spurs needed a new point guard. They were having trouble, you know, I played basketball in high school, and so all these, you know, we, they needed somebody who can dish the rock, and so we were all going around, and I finally said, guys, I'm tired of talking about this, let's do something about it, I'm going to call Greg Popovich. So I reach over on my desk, and I get the phone, and I call. Back then, you had a confirmation, right? So I get the number for the San Antonio Spurs office, and I call, and I say, is Greg Popovich in? And she says, yes, just a minute. And I'm like, and all the guys in my office are like, no way, no way. And so she transfers me, and all of a sudden, this lady answers the phone, I guess as administrative assistant, and said, can I help you? And I said, yes, I'm calling for Greg Popovich. And she said, well, I'm sorry, he's not in right now. Can I take a message? And I said, yes, you can. You, can you have him call Jeff Simmons, and here's my number. And she says, okay, I'll let him know. And so we hung up, and we all laughed. We thought that was really funny, you know, hey. Well, the next day, I'm in my office, and my phone rings. And I reach over, not thinking, right? And I just pick it up, and I'm like, hello. And this voice goes, who is this? And I said, well, this is Jeff Simmons. Who's this? And he said, well, this is Greg Popovich. <laughs> And I said, well, hey, coach, thanks so much for calling me back. And he's like, 
well, what, what, what do you need, Jeff? And I said, well, we were sitting around in the office talking with a bunch of guys. And <laughs> we decided that you guys, you need, we, need a, we need a point guard. He's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, we need a point guard for the team. We need, you know, if we just had a point guard, he's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I'm really, I'm serious. Like, if we had a point guard, we just think it would flow better. And he's like, okay, Jeff, well, who do you want? And I was like, well, you know, there's Mark Price. Mark Price plays at Cleveland. He'd be great, he'd be great, you know, ball handler stuff. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, he goes, well, who do you want to give up for him? I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, there's this thing called a salary cap, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And, uh, you know, and so we started talking. We talked for like 15 minutes me and Greg Popovich about what the San Antonio Spurs needed to do. Now, Greg Popovich, you know, he'd been in basketball all of his life. He played at the Air Force Academy, been on the U.S. Olympic team, you know, with Larry Brown. I mean, this guy's like knows basketball. And he says, Jeff, you know, thank you so much for calling me. If you have any more advice for me, just let me know. Feel free to call me anytime. And I was like, thanks, coach. It's going to be a great year. Appreciate you. You know, and so hung up. Now, thankfully for the Spurs, Greg Popovich didn't listen to me and my buddies because he went and drafted Tim Duncan and went on to win five NBA championships. And Greg Popovich is still the coach of the San Antonio Spurs. Today, like 20 years later, he's still coaching, probably considered one of the best coaches of all time. But the fact is this, there's a lot of people who want to speak into our lives, right? There's a lot of people that have advice for us about our lives and what we should do and where we should go. And some people don't have a clue what they're talking about in that area, right? But they're going to call and they're going to say because they want us to buy something or they want us to do something. And so the question is this, who are you listening to? Because there's so many times that people will come into my office for counseling and it starts off like this. Well, I had these friends. I'm like, yeah, there you go, you know. Or I had this idea. And I'm like, where'd you get that idea? I don't know. I just thought about that. And I'm like, wow, that really led you down a great path. Good job on that, you know. Where are you getting your advice? Where are you getting your wisdom? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 119. Psalm 119. 19. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some free Bibles for you in the back. Just grab one and put your name in it. It's yours, and you can keep it. Also, on Version, I love this, man. You can have the Bible right there on your mobile device. Just go to Version if you've never done that and get God's Word right there. But if you have, like, this thing with you this morning, which is awesome, open it up to the very middle, and you'll probably end up in the book of Psalms and Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Now, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible, okay? So hope you guys are ready. Buckle in. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's not, we're not going to go through every verse, which would be great, though, but I am going to encourage you to read it sometime this week. Just kind of read through Psalm 119 because it is powerful. We're just going to look at a couple of verses today as we talk about God's Word and what it does in our lives. So pick up here Psalm 119, 105. It says this, Your Word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I love that. You know, the psalmist just says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. <laughs> Have you ever been camping and you're like in a tent, right? And it's pitch black outside and you have to go to the car or go out to do something else, right? You know, and what's the first thing you do? Where's my flashlight? 
right? You got to grab a flashlight because you're not going to step on a snake. You don't want to do that. You know, you don't want to fall in a hole. You don't want to have a dangerous animal out there. So you're just grabbing for some light. And the psalmist comes along and he says, hey, God, that's what your word is for me. Your word, oh God, is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. In the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the dangers, in the middle of the worries, in the middle of the struggles, God, that's what your word does for me. Now, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to just kind of write down in your worship guide right there, and it's this. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. See, I I don't think most people believe this. (laughs) I think most people believe that you know, God created the world, right? I mean, we all kind of, you know, like, we get that, right? Two rocks, I mean, how did that happen? And like, we get, you know, like, come on now. You know, because God created the world. I mean, it takes more faith to believe in that than it does believe in God. You know, but God created the world. But I think a lot of people think, okay, God created the world. And then he kind of stepped back and said, you guys figure it out. Yeah, but no. I mean, God has a plan for your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, God has his, his good will, his pleasing will, his perfect will for you. Now, because we sin, because we mess up, because we make mistakes, you know, but God redeems that, and there's this goodwill and this pleasing will, but God has a plan for your life. And so when it comes to that plan for your life, you know, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to when it comes to the plans for your life? Because we're all going to listen to somebody, and maybe for you it's friends, you know, and, and that's where I get my advice from, or maybe it's culture, you know, hey, whatever the Kardashians say or whatever anybody says over here, or this celebrity said this or this person says this, and that's kind of the way I'm going to dress. That's the way I'm going to go. That's the way I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to value. Maybe it's Google. Maybe it's YouTube. Or maybe for you, and hopefully for you, and I pray for you. I pray for us. I pray that it is God, the God of the universe, because the fact is this. God created you, and he wants you to know his plan for your life. I mean, literally think about that. The God of the universe who created the stars and the planets and this world, he created you. And there is nobody exactly like you in the entire world. You are uniquely made. God knit you together in your mother's womb. God knows every hair on your head. God loves you. You're the apple of his eye. And just try to get your mind around that. And God wants you to succeed. God wants you to know him. Now, here's the thing. God's plan for you is to know Jesus. And the Bible points us to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then I love this part. I love this part in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says this. It says, Hey, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's a race marked out for you. There's a plan for you. There's a purpose for you. And then it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter. Jesus saves us and matures us. Our salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone. And then he is the one who matures us. 
The Bible tells us this in Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so God's plan for you and I is that we look more and more like Jesus, that our lives are transformed to look more and more like Christ. But Jesus saves us and he matures us. Now the Bible is important, but the Bible doesn't save us. Only Jesus saves us. And I think that's an important point for us. The Bible doesn't save us as great as it is. The Bible is there to point us to Jesus. The Bible is shining a spotlight and a big spotlight on Jesus. And just because you own a Bible doesn't mean you're saved. You know, the Bible was the first book printed on the Gutenberg printed press, right? Over 5 billion copies of the Bible have been printed. Number one best-selling book every single year and of all time. Why? Because it transforms our lives, right? It's God's word. But it doesn't save us. It points us to Jesus. Nine out of 10 homes in America have a Bible, but I wouldn't say nine out of 10 homes in America are saved. God's word is leading us and pointing us to the one who has redeemed us and restored us, and that's Jesus. And the hope that we have in Christ and so for us to dive deep in his word, but for us to always say, hey, I want to be knowing Jesus and falling in love with Jesus. You know, the early church, the early church in Acts chapter 2, after Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, and the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people commit their lives to Christ. I mean, it was a big church, Acts chapter 2. And we're talking big church. I and mean, they met in the temple courts. And then they, they were in Bible studies in homes. And they were studying the Old Testament. They didn't even have the New Testament yet. Right? And that didn't come until like 382. I mean, these letters were being passed around. In 382, you had the council of Hippo and Carthage and Rome and all these leaders get together and they say, hey, look, this is God. This is from the Lord. But the church was still growing. Why? They, they were studying the Old Testament. They were diving in. They were listening to God. They were in fellowship and community. And then these letters were coming around and people going, that's how God's calling us to live. Check it out. But that's how God's drawing us to Christ. And in Christ alone. So the Bible, the Bible points us to Jesus in salvation and sanctification. The Bible points us to Jesus in salvation and sanctification. Uh, I love the Gideons. You know the Gideons, right? right? They go and they put Bibles everywhere. Have you ever noticed that? Like, you know, you're in a hotel room and there's a Bible there. And in your hospital, there's a Bible. And, and the Gideons have incredible stories. I love it. I mean, people who are like on business trips and man, they just, you know, blew it and they're, they're just worn out. They're exhausted. And they come in, they, they open it up and there's a Bible. And they start reading God's word and God's word points them to Jesus and they get on their knees and they say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Or they're in a hospital room and man, they have no faith and they realize, wow, this person that I love and, and I'm not going to see them again. And, and they start reading God's word and all of a sudden realizing there is eternal life and, and the hope. But everything in here points us to the one who loves us. And God says, I want you to succeed and I want you to know my son and I want you to know my word and I want you to live life and live it to the full. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Okay, notice this. The Bible is divinely inspired. It is a true gift from God. The Bible tells all scriptures, God breathed, like, whew, God breathed. It's alive. It's alive. But how do we know? How do we know, right? 
uh, one of my good friends is a guy named Yoni, and, and Yoni, he's, he's, he's now, he's a little bit older than me, but he's like in his mid-50s. But, but Yoni grew up in Colorado. He was a pastor's kid at a church in Colorado. And, uh, you know, great church, and he was all involved. His dad's a great pastor. And, and, and then he goes off to college. And after his freshman year of college, he comes back, and he's like, do I really believe this? You know, I mean, is it because I grew up in a Christian home that, I mean, that's why I, I believe this way. Really, is this, is this really God's word? Is this really divinely inspired? And so Yoni, after his freshman year of college, says, well, if I'm gonna find out, I need to go to the home of where like major religions are. So he packs up and he moves to Jerusalem. He heads over to Jerusalem and he starts studying and he, and he really just dives in to study and, you know, Christianity, but Judaism and Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. And, he, and he's looking, he's looking at, these different books or holy books, and, he, and he's kind of going, what, what, what is truth? And he, he said, man, I studied for like two years, and then I was out on an archaeological dig, and I'm out in the wilderness, and I'm in a tent, and I got a flashlight, and I pull out the Bible, and I just start reading, and it was like, boom, God just met me right there. And all the archaeology, and, and all the geography, and all the history, and I'm just seeing it all lines up, and everything in here is truth. And he goes, right there, I got on my knees. I said, Lord, you are truth, and this is your word. This is the inspired word of God. And Yoni went on to get a PhD in Old Testament archaeology and a PhD in New Testament studies. He now leads trips. He's been our guide. So when we do biblical study tours to Israel, I've been working with Yoni since 1999, and his passion for the word of God, his passion is so alive. But here's the thing about God's word, right? It was written by over 40 different authors, I mean, I want you to just think about this this morning because this just blows me away how incredible our God is. Written by 40 different, all, the, I mean, you, all of a sudden you hear Moses, you got David, you got Solomon, you got John, you got, you know, Paul. But it was written over a period of 1,500 years. 1,500 years. How do these things not get lost? How do these things not get confused? I mean, what, what is going on? And it was written in three different languages. But here's the thing, one central theme from start to finish, 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, one central theme, the gospel is through Jesus Christ alone. Everyone, it's not just some person sitting in a cave and going, oh, well, here's what I think. No, this is like, you can study archaeology, you can study science, you can study history, it all lines up and it all points us to Jesus as the redeemer and the restorer of our lives and of the world. And everything in the Old Testament, everything in the New Testament pointing to this central theme, the gospel is through Jesus and through Jesus alone. Praise be to God. You know, the Bible, right? The Bible is God's word. And it's like the owner's manual for your life. The Bible's like the owner's manuals for your life. The Bible is the guide right there, if you want that blank, right? The Bible guides us in our life. But the Bible also is the owner manual. It tells us how to live. It shows us what to do. It's like the instruction manual. Did anybody over Christmas get one of those boxes that says, some assembly required? I hate those things, right? And there you are like at two in the morning and you're like, you know what? And you're like digging through and you're so tired and you're like, 
putting this thing together. And, and, and you know, my wife's always like, read the instructions. I'm like, no way. I don't have time to read the instructions. I'm like, I'm going to put this thing together. And you put it together and you end up with all these screws. You're like, hmm, I wonder about that. I don't know. I mean, maybe they went somewhere. No, I think we'll just push them over here. They'll be okay, you know. And, and Lisa's always like, just read the instructions. I'm like, who has time for that? Who has time to read the instructions? <laughs> and God's going, just read the instructions. And we're like, who has time for that? I'm just going to go live life. I'm going to listen to these other people. I'm going to go do this. I'm just going to go. And God's going, but I wrote it down for you. I want you to know. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, okay. Okay. I mean, God's word speaks to our lives. You, you guys, what decisions should I make? God's word has insights. You know, at different times in my life when I've made big decisions, it's like I come back to the word of God and God's going, and, and for you, I'm telling you, and there'll be people that'll come along and they'll say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna offer you a job and it's gonna be more money and you can do this. And, and then you start to go, wait a minute. That sounds awesome. That sounds great. But I mean, I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader in my household. And if I'm taking that and I'm traveling all the time and I'm never at home and I, I'm not the husband I need to be or the father I need to be. Wait a minute, is that really what the plan for my life should be? Does that line up with what God's called me to do? If you want to know how to have a great marriage, right? It's not just watching everybody else. I, I, come back to here, go to Ephesians 5, start digging in. You know, you want to have, be a great parent. You, you want to know what God wants you to do. You want to know how God's called you to live. You come back. And God's saying, I'm not just going to put you here and let you just try to figure it out. I'm going to give you my word and say, here you go. I want you to know it. And I want you to live it. Here's the thing. God loves you and he wants you to succeed. I mean, I, I encourage you every week, right? God loves you and he wants you to succeed. He wants you to succeed in life. And, and through his word, God shows you how to live this life that he has given you. If you're still in Psalm 119, I want you just to kind of jump up to uh, verse 97. And I want you to see this. Here's what the psalmist writes. He goes, oh, how I love your law. He's like, I love it. I, guys, I want us, I want us just to love God's law. I, I want us to love his word. I want us to be, get to a point where it's like not laborious to read, but he's like, okay, I want to read, I want to hear, I want to grow, I want to study. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Now, I don't think he's saying, hey, go lock yourself in a room and all day, you know, you just read this all day. I think what he's saying is, no, I'm learning verses and they're in my head and they're in my mind and all day long I'm kind of thinking about that. And I'm making decisions based off of this and not just everything else or the advice of everybody else. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statues. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. You have anybody like that in your life? Maybe it's like a grandmother or, or maybe it's a, you know, a great grandparent or maybe it's an aunt or an uncle or maybe, maybe it's just somebody wise in your life. Maybe it was like a mentor in business or somebody and they're just godly and they are wise and you're like, man, I go to them all the time. I don't know how they know it, but they are just wise. And maybe they didn't even graduate middle school or high school, you know what I mean? But they're just like more wisdom than you've ever seen. You're like, how in the world do you do that? 
You know, you have this great marriage, and you manage your finances really well. Here you are, you know, you're older in life, and yet you just did it right. Guys, that's what I want for us. That's what I want for you. None of us are perfect, right? We all make mistakes, but, but as we, we reorder our lives around God's plan and God's purpose, people come to us and they go, hey, would you just help me? Would you teach me? Would you mentor me? Would you disciple me? And you're like, well, I don't have that much to offer. And you're like, no, but you're wise. And you're like, oh, yeah, I just spent time in the Word, uh, reading and studying and praying and and I want your kids, I want your grandkids to go, man, you know, my, I don't know, my dad or my mom, you know, my, my grandparents, man, I mean, I'm telling you, they're just, they're just wise. I'm like, yeah. And I love how he says this. He says, I've kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I know what decision to make. I know other people may be saying, hey, go this way or do this. I know even in my mind, I might go, you know what, that sounds great. But, but I know your word and I'm gonna keep my path Straight. I don't want to take a wrong path or a wrong direction. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. God's word is a guide. God's word is the owner's manual. God's word leads us in life. He shows us how to live. And here's the thing, here's the thing, right? God speaks through his word. God speaks through his word. He just does, right? It's kind of like Yoni in that tent. It's just like God just, he, he speaks. You're reading a passage and it's like, oh, that's for me. Uh, that's, that makes sense. I think so often we want God to speak in an audible voice, right? We're all like, God, just tell me what to do, right? Just speak. An audible voice, and, and, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll, I'll tell you, I've only heard God speak in an audible voice maybe two to three times in my life. I, I really. There was a time when uh, I was dating Lisa, and we'd been dating for a while, and, and, and I was just like, God, is she the one? You know, I mean, this is a big decision. I mean, this is like the second most important decision of my life. I mean, right? The first is following you, committing my life to you, but the second is who I marry. And, and I remember being on my knees in, in my apartment, and I was down on my knees praying by my bed, and I was like, God, is she the one? And I literally heard God say, she's the one. And I didn't know it was God. I was like, I thought there was somebody in my room. I like looked around, like, like raised up. Like, that was weird. And I go, oh, wow, okay, she's the one. That's it, let's go. I mean, but, but that was then and, or when we planted the church. But, but there have been very few times, but there have been so many times that I've heard God speak to his word. There's been so many times when, man, I've been like worried or anxious and, and about something and I'll be reading and God will say, you know, Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. And I'm like, okay, hold on, God. You're sovereign. <laughs> you got this. Why am I stressed out about this? God speaks. He speaks in that still small voice and he speaks through his word. God speaks in audible voice occasionally, but he speaks through his word, I believe, daily. And J. Vernon McGee, he's a, kind of a biblical commentator. He writes a lot of commentaries on different books of the Bible, but, but he said, you know, he said, if God were to speak audibly today, he would have to repeat himself uh, because he's put it all down right here. He's put it in his word. And we're like, ah, I don't have time to read the instructions, right? I'm going off and I'm running after this. So I want to challenge you and encourage you in 2019, take a daily step each day to know and to hear from God. 
A daily step, that's what we call here at Rolling Hills, reading God's word, is taking a daily step. If you don't have the Rolling Hills app, uh, I just encourage you, go ahead and download it right now. That's all right, go ahead, you can do it. Right? Just get your phone, download the app, get it on your phone. But in the bottom right corner, it says daily step. And after every morning, like right, when you wake up, you just hit that. And some of you don't like to read. I get it. I mean, I, I know that. I understand that, right? But, but there's this thing, and you can put it on, you know, Audible, and you can just listen to it in the car as you drive. But it gives you a couple of chapters. And as a church, we're reading through the New Testament in 2019. We're reading through Psalms and Proverbs. We're doing that together. But every morning that we start, take 10 minutes, 15 minutes just to say, hey, I want to take a daily step. I want to know God's word. I want to reorder my day and my life around what God says through his word. I want to go that direction. So I just challenge you. Hey, let's make that our resolution this year because the fact is this, God transforms your life through his word. God transforms your life through his word. He does. That's the way he works. And the Bible is filled with personal stories of how God changes lives. You read through here, right? These are people who had encounters with God. And God says, write it down. I'm going to do something in your life. You write it down. I'm going to pass it on for generations because I want people to know. But you got people like Moses. Moses was the most humble man that ever lived. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's court. I mean, he was well-educated. He knew everything. But Moses decided to follow God, Right? And he's the most humble man. He met with God on the mountain. God spoke to him and he says, write it down. Or there's people like David. David, David was this man after God's heart, but David was far from perfect. David committed adultery. And maybe you're thinking today, you know what, man, I've made mistakes in my life. Man, God can't use me. No, 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 no. You go look at David. David could have thrown it in a towel and said, hey, forget it, I'm done. But David comes to Psalm 51 and reading a lot of the Psalms is like reading David's journal. And he says, God, I repent. God, please, God, I'm coming back to you. And God redeemed him and restored him. Praise God for his grace. Praise God for his mercy. God gives us five chances, 10 chances, 100 chances. And God says, I want to use you. And David stayed true to God. And at the end of his life, he was called a man after God's heart. It wasn't just before it was at the end of his life. He stayed faithful to God, faithful to God. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. You can read a lot of books out there. The library is filled with those. But I want to read the wisest man that ever lived. That's pretty good. I mean, Solomon writing Proverbs. You can go read that. You get a New Testament. Matthew. Matthew was a business guy, tax collector. Jesus said, come follow me. His life's radically changed and transformed. Or John. John, you know, wrote the Gospel of John. John, when he started following Jesus, John and his brother James, they were hotheads. I mean, they were called sons of thunder. And there's one time Jesus was doing ministry in the Samaritan town and the people weren't really listening to Jesus. And John's like, hey, you want us to call down to God and call down some fire on this place and just take it out? Jesus is like, are you kidding me? Remember love, that whole thing? You know, like, what, what are you doing? Well, you come to 1 John, and John writes it later on in his old age, and he's just like, man, it's all about love, guys. It's all about love. I mean, the transformation that takes place. The apostle Paul. Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and God redeems his life. And Paul knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards, and God goes, yeah, that's great. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that as you write half the New Testament. And I'm going to use that to encourage my church and build my church. Way to go, Paul. And then there's people like James. You know, there's this little book stuck in here, James. You know who James is? 
James is the brother of Jesus. Now, what would it take for your brother or sister, your sibling, what would it take for them to convince you that they're the son of God? I mean, a lot, right? I I mean, are you kidding me? Right, bro. You know, I mean, you can tell all these other people out there, but I know who you are. James, like, literally grew up in the home with Jesus. Now, Jesus' earthly dad was Joseph, right? His heavenly father is the father, so they're kind of half-brothers there. But Joseph and Mary had other siblings, and James was one of them. And James grows up with Jesus. James watches Jesus die on the cross. James sees Jesus resurrected, and James says, He is the Son of God. I'm telling you, He's the Son of God. And he puts his life on the line for it. And then James writes down, he's just like, guys, you've got to live it. You've got to live it. You've got to live it. And James writes, hey, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Guys, do what it says. Do what it says. Live it out. So the question today is, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to about the plans for your life? As you make decisions in 2019, as you make decisions that impact your family, your impact, generations, who are you listening to? Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. God still changes lives through his word. And I'm one of them. (laughs) My parents, I'm so thankful. My parents are Christian parents. I, I grew up in a great home. They took me to church. And I'm so thankful for all the parents here, for your kids. I had a great church I grew up in, great preschool, children, ministry, student ministry. I still remember a lot of the verses that we've memorized in vacation Bible school or in Sunday morning, Sunday school. I remember those. And you bringing your kids and giving them a a spiritual foundation is so important. I was talking to a guy in our church and he said, you know, I bring my kids every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night. He goes, because I realize that it's a lot, you know, healthier and cheaper in the long run than me bailing them out of making bad decisions if I can get them grounded in the Word of God today. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Man, praise God. God just had me in that home. I remember when I was eight years old and I was baptized, getting my first Bible there, you know. Having that Bible, I was reading as I grew up in the Lord. And my ninth grade year, I had a small group leader, so thank you all, whoever... You teach preschool and children and students because you impact generations. I had a small group leader in ninth grade who, who bought me an NIV study Bible. And man, I love that Bible. And I was like, hey, look, there's little footnotes in the bottom. I got a little cheat sheet, you know, in Bible study. I can like jump in and, and I had this Bible. And, and I remember going off to college and my Bible and being in Bible studies and learning and growing and, and just saying, I want my life around the word. Now I'm perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. But, but God, I want to be grounded in you. When I got married, Lisa and I, we, we got Joshua 24, 15 inscribed inside of our rings. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, we want you first in our household and our life. This past Friday was the four-year anniversary of my dad going home to be with Jesus. And yeah, I still miss him after four years, but I'm telling you, I'm so thankful he's a man of God. And, and being at the funeral four years ago and and reading those words in 1 Thessalonians and encourage one another and knowing that this life is not all that there is, that there is more to come. It's God's word. And I want to be grounded. I want you to be grounded in God's word. 
In John chapter 6, you know, there was big crowds that always followed Jesus. There was always a lot of people around Jesus. And some of the people started to leave and walk away because they wanted Jesus to be a political Messiah. They wanted Jesus to overthrow the Romans. And, and Jesus is going, guys, I'm doing something here. I'm doing something that's going to change the world. I'm doing something in your life and in your heart. And he looks at his disciples. He says, guys, do you want to leave me too? And Peter goes, where are we going to go? You have the words for eternal life. You know what? Those words are written down right here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, red letter words for eternal life. So who are you listening to? Your life and your heart. What are you building your life on? What are you building your family on? What's impacting generations for you? Maybe. Christ, may it be his word, may it be his truth, because God has a plan for you. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today, but maybe today is a day of salvation, and right where you are, you just say, God, I want you in my life. It's not an accident that you're here today. I mean, God's been drawing you to himself and right now where you sit, you say, Jesus, I want this to be my faith. Not my parents' faith or my church's faith, my country's faith, my faith. I confess, I've messed up, I've blown it. God, forgive me, redeem me, restore me. I'm yours. Maybe for you, God's been speaking to you about being baptized. I wanna put a stake in the ground, 2019, I wanna go forward in Christ. Maybe God's been speaking to you about getting in his word and saying, hey, it's time to make that commitment. Make that commitment for you, for my family, for people around me. I don't know what God's saying to you, but I know this, God's here. <laughs> and through that still small voice, he's speaking to your heart. That you would love him. You would love your spouse. You would love your kids. You would love radically and be changed and redeemed and restored in Christ and in Christ alone. So Father God, here we are, your disciples. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who redeems us and restores us. Thank you, God, for your word. God, to give us a light and a lamp in this dark world. God, thank you for the truth that we could stand secure and firm that you love us. And you're calling us, Father, to be men and women after your heart. And God, we want to respond to you right now. We want to worship you. We want to declare this truth in our life. And we want to live it out, Father, going forward. So God, as your disciples, God, we respond to you right now. In the name of Jesus.